If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Together, we are one voice. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Sexual abuse is like a bolt of lightning that strikes us at our very core. It's more than an attack on our body. It's like an assault on our emotions, our mind, our spirit. Part of our being is really like frozen in that moment of betrayal, confusion, sadness, hurt, the shame that we feel. Those of us who were abused in childhood often believe things about ourselves that are completely false. Some of our beliefs were never true. They were lies when we were kids and they're lies now. Others were true for us at that particular time in that specific setting. Still others are the result of what our mind concluded must be true because of what was happening to us and around us. Abusers often convince their victims that the abuse was their fault. And I think that this is a very common lie for many of us. I know I struggled with it for years and years and years. And to understand why survivors like me, or maybe even you, would believe this lie, I think we have to go back to the day that we were traumatized by sexual abuse, the day that our little secret began. My stepdad made me feel that it was my choice to be abused. He made me believe that I deserved it, that I wanted it. He made me think that I could have stopped it if I had chosen to. And all these beliefs, these false beliefs, are rooted in the biggest, fattest lie of all for a sexual abuse survivor, believing that the abuse was your fault, that was my fault. I can remember thinking as a young girl, if only I'd locked the bathroom door. If only I hadn't offered to help him with some specific project outside or up in the attic. If only I'd worn long pajamas to bed. If only I'd yelled for help. If only I'd been able to tell someone. I think as kids, we're often self-focused. We believe that the world revolves around us. You know, and kids automatically assume that anything that happens in their world is the result of something they have or have not done. And so it follows that if they did something to cause the abuse, they could do something to stop it. You know, Mary, I don't know if it was like this for you, but it was frightening for me as a kid to believe that I had no power over my body or over my own circumstances. I think believing that you can stop something from happening, even as a kid, makes it seem like you have some control. But it's a lie for a kid because a kid is no match. A child is no match for a sexual predator, and they can't stop abuse from occurring. Children also don't have the cognitive ability or even emotional maturity to accurately assess what's happening to them. So they can't make sense of what's being done. They're being sexually abused to conclude anything other than that there's something wrong with themselves, that they themselves are to blame. For example, a lot of survivors will have this false belief that they're bad, that they're dirty, um, that they're gross, they're stupid, they're weak. For a sexually abused child, these lies can seem unmistakably true, and these are the lies that are carried far into adulthood. 
having spoken on so many college campuses, high school campuses, you know, churches with all ages, I've been asked so many times by an abuse survivor. Oftentimes it's an abuse survivor who's hardly even spoken about their story. But they'll ask me something like, if I let it happen, wasn't it my fault? And this doesn't just go alongside childhood sexual abuse. This can also be something that an adult rape victim would come forward. This question would be so common for them, having similar false beliefs. You know, they'll say things to themselves like, if only I hadn't gone to that party, if only I hadn't been drinking so much, if only I hadn't answered the door that night, if only I hadn't gone back to his room. You know, as adults, we do have more power to protect ourselves than children do. But the fact is that we all find ourselves in situations where we're absolutely powerless to control what happens to us. And statements like those, if only statements, just perpetuate the lie that abuse was our fault. So if you are listening and you're a survivor of childhood sexual abuse or rape, you were the victim. Period. You were the victim. No matter what you said, what you did, what you felt, what you wore, what you touched, drank, smoked, how much you consumed or where you went with who you went with, it wasn't your fault. And it's a lie that you could have stopped it. The person who hurt you should have stopped it. The abuser should have stopped it before it started. You never should have had to face the situation in the first place. You know, you didn't start it. You didn't ask for it. And you couldn't have stopped it. So this lie that your abuse was your fault keeps you in bondage. It keeps you afraid to tell, afraid to talk to anyone about it. This is the soil I talk about in Hush, where all these other lies about yourself will take root and begin to grow. On my healing journey, I suffered from this same thing, this same false belief. Even after I told my secret, you know, I struggled to believe that the abuse wasn't my fault. I carried that for a long time. Even into college, even into, you know, my ministry and traveling and speaking about this stuff, I still held on to this false belief that if my body had responded to my stepfather's touch, I must be the most disgusting person on the planet. And I held on to that. I couldn't even talk to anyone about that part that was keeping me so bound up because I felt disgusted by it. And it wasn't until even probably a couple of years after I had been traveling and sharing my story and just trying to get other people to share theirs that I finally just brought it to the Lord. I just started praying about it and I was journaling about it. And I can just remember in an instant, it wasn't even something that someone else told me. It was just almost an epiphany in my mind where I finally realized that it wasn't my body that betrayed me. It was my stepdad. My body was acting in the way that it was created to act. It just wasn't supposed to happen when I was six, eight, ten years old by my father figure. It was his fault, not mine. But even still, my shame was overwhelming to me for years and years. And to be free to heal, I needed to go back to when sexual abuse first planted this lie that it was my fault that I deserved it, that I asked for it. The time when it was first planted into my soul, I had to begin to allow others to help me replace that lie with the truth. Tell us about one of the first times you opened up with someone other than your mom. In my book, Hush, I talk about telling my teacher about my story. And now this teacher, Mrs. Bell, she had been at my stepfather's funeral and that spoke so loudly to my heart about her heart and her care and concern. And 
At the funeral, my mom had shouldered all of the blame of my stepfather's suicide, telling people that he had taken his life because she was going to leave him. And really just in a means of protecting me um, because I didn't want people to know about my abuse. And so that had kind of been covered up for a while. But eventually I decided to tell Mrs. Bell the truth. And I asked her to meet with me after school and she did. And I remember going into that meeting and just thinking to myself, what most survivors fear that you're not going to be believed, that they'll think it's your fault, that you had maybe asked for it or deserved it. And also that she was going to look at me differently. And I was very worried about that. However, I found the courage to move forward despite my fears and to share with her. And her response to me is exactly what I would hope that each of you would receive. Maybe you didn't receive it the first time, but maybe you will the next time. Mrs. Bell, first of all, believed me. And then immediately she told me that it wasn't my fault. She said that I didn't deserve it. She said she didn't look at me differently and that she wanted to be there for me whenever I wanted to talk. And she was. You know, I met with Mrs. Bell, you know, over the course of a few years. Every now and then when I just needed to talk, I needed to work through some of my stuff. And she was a safe place. You know, she wasn't a licensed counselor, but she was a very safe place, a very loving, caring, um, maternal presence in my life. And she had an understanding of how to respond to these things. And so I remember feeling very compelled to share with her my memories and just to get them out of me. It just felt so powerful to talk about what I'd gone through, the exact experiences, sometimes using the gross, yucky words to really just get it all out of me. It was like I had more power over my story when I could speak it aloud. And so she was that place for me. And I can remember there were many times when I couldn't talk about it face to face. You know, it was too hard. And so what I would do is I would write in my journal. I would write the whole memory out, the whole experience. And I would go to her and I would just look at my journal. I couldn't look at her, but I would read it aloud. And she would be like that sounding board for me. And I always remember thinking, you know, okay, this is going to be the time that she's going to say to me, oh, wait, Nicole, all those other times it wasn't your fault. But this time, I think you kind of asked for it. I always walked into those situations so fearful that this was going to be the time because deep down I believed it. You know, this was a false belief that I knew, you know, the deeper we get, the more I share, eventually she's going to think that too. But she never did. She always, till she was blue in the face, affirmed the fact to me that it wasn't my fault. And I needed that. I needed that so bad to be able to free myself of that pain and of that shame that I carried. It wasn't my shame to carry. And I needed someone else to be able to speak the truth back to me to dispel those lies that I had within. And, you know, even into adulthood, you know, I've been speaking about my experiences of childhood sexual abuse for years now. And I know you know this part of my story, Mary, but I don't talk very much about it to people outside of my inner circle. But I was raped when I was in college and I struggled with the lie that that was different for me than when I was a kid. And, you know, the situation, the person, the experiences surrounding that 
we're all very different. And so it was a whole new situation for me to have to replace that lie that that was my fault with the truth that it wasn't, that I didn't ask for it, that I couldn't have deserved it, that I was groomed, you know, I was taken advantage of, but I couldn't do that on my own. I again needed someone else to speak those words back to me, to speak the truth back to me. I remember when my freedom came, I was traveling to a speaking engagement and my dear friend Sarah was traveling with me. And Sarah has an incredible heart for these issues. She has a deep understanding and she loves me. So I remember just this whole memory, this situation coming up in my mind and in my heart. It was just, it had been bubbling to the surface. And I don't even remember what sparked the conversation, but I remember sharing about this sexual assault in college. And I remember telling Sarah about it and just the struggle that I still had within of feeling like, you know, I had somehow brought this on. And I can remember also just deep within wondering what she might think about it. Will she agree with the lies that I had believed were true? And of course she didn't. And she just like Mrs. Bell told me that night until she was blue in the face, you know, Nicole, no, this wasn't your fault. You didn't ask for that. You were groomed. You were put in the wrong situation. You were taken advantage of just over and over in every single possible way. I can even remember coming at her with different angles and saying, well, what about this part? And again, no, Nicole, you know, just constantly dispelling it for my sake, you know, because I needed to hear it over and over again. I needed to iron out all of the little nooks and crannies of the places where I was unsure I needed to have a friend to tell me the truth. And that's when I was able to release myself from that shame. And I just, I'm so grateful for people like that in my life. And I want that for you too. And so my prayer is that you would find somebody that you could take your journal to and read those situations to somebody that's loving, caring, compassionate, and not ignorant to these issues, who has an understanding and who can speak truth to you. And if you don't have that person yet, listen to me and Mary tell you, it was not your fault. No one deserves abuse. No one asks for rape. And once you can overcome that piece, once you can realize that what happened to you was not your fault, your healing journey will take on an entirely new perspective from that moment forward. The song may say it's the most wonderful time of the year, but it's not that way for everybody. The holidays are tough. They can be a struggle. So we want to provide you with some hope, some encouragement, pointers to help you survive the holidays. We typically put out our podcast the first and third Wednesday of the month, but we want to throw in some extra material since this is such an important time of year as you're getting together with family and friends. We hope you'll subscribe. If you heard something you liked, feel free to write a review, invite family and friends to listen so more people can hear about healing. You can find us at IamOneVoice.org or on Facebook.